Welcome to the Midweek Motivation Podcast, where we bring practical help for your faith and life. Here's today's episode. Hey, well, uh, welcome to uh, this week's uh, Midweek Motivation. Uh, right here to my left, I have Mr. Mike Martindale. How you hey, doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Doing good. Uh, you know, Mike and I, uh, God, we've been in ministry for a long time. Like we go back to, uh, well, in the 90s, Mike was actually in my youth group. I know I don't look that old to be his youth pastor, but he was actually in my youth group and he was one of my leaders. And um, we worked together with students as yeah. you got older and got out of the youth group and you uh, took over as, as the youth leader. Yeah. And uh, we worked together in music here at the church. And uh, that, that was all through the 90s. I mean, we were like literally yeah. 10 years. And uh, that was fun. Now you make me feel old myself. I know. I think Could back have been then, the 90s. Yeah, it's 30 years ago. 33 years ago that we started. <laughs> Don't use the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, um, we've been around a while. And uh, so we've known each other a long time yeah. and uh, it's been fun. It's been fun. And so uh, Mike, in fact, is the uh, lead pastor of Epic Life. So uh, how long have you been with Epic Life now? Well, look, backstory is that I was part of Westside since I was six years old. Mm. And about 10 years ago, we as Westside launched a campus in Tannisborn area. And that campus about three years ago became an independent church just before COVID. Mm, so I've been pastor at Epic Life for almost three and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. And you're, and you're, and you're the worship pastor. And I'm the worship pastor. I, wear, I actually wear many hats. <laughs> and the janitor? <laughs> that's, yes, sometimes. Oh, excellent. I remember those days. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. Well, and, and Epic Life is, is not too far from here, like maybe 10 miles at no, best? Probably more like five. It's really? not that far, yeah. So we're, we're neighbors. Just up the road. We're neighbors. We're neighbors. Well, hey, we um, on Sunday, you know, Pastor Gabe uh, gave us a message called, How Our Kids Will Save or Destroy the World. <laughs> I love that topic. I do too. Save or destroy the world. And uh, he talked about um, resilience. And the first resilience he talked about was character. He talked about instilling character um, in our kids and what that can mean down the road when our kids learn the value of having character and um, what that means to them. Right. Yeah. And so I've got a few questions for you because I know that uh, we're both passionate about this oh, yeah. topic. Because, uh, uh, by the way, if I haven't said already, I'm Tim Wooten and I'm the, uh, the family ministry director here at Westside. And uh, I love working with the middle schoolers. I love working with the high schoolers. I mean, they're my jam. And uh, installing character and wisdom is probably my two favorite things to teach students. It's, you know, it's, it's something that, um, gets me going and, and I love teaching those things because I know the value of those two things, what those mean to students and what those mean as they become adults. Yeah. And uh, so that's that's a definitely a passion of mine. I know it's a passion of yours. So I've got some questions for you that, because I know this is your passion too. And yep. so I'm gonna ask a few questions and I'm gonna silly roll here, okay? Awesome, shoot away. All right, so the first thing I wanted to, to ask you is uh, tell us about yourself and your journey with Epic Life. Because again, you were here at Westside for many years, and then you went to become the lead pastor at Epic Life, and what that journey looks like um, since you left Westside and becoming that lead pastor. Yeah, it has been interesting because when when I became a lead pastor, it was right as COVID hit, so huge learning curve. Because not only had I never been a pastor, I'd never been a pastor during a pandemic. <laughs> right. So, and everyone you ask, like, what do we do? They're like, figure it out. Let me know. know. No one knew what they're doing. So it was interesting, big learning curve, but. Uh, an awesome God journey through that season. And it was in like the first year of our church 
I believe that every church is our, our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. Hopefully, mm. every church has got that on their yeah. radar. But what is our unique expression as a as a local church? Because I believe each church kind of has a certain personality or certain focus of who they are. Mm-hmm. And it was during the that 2020, that that dark year of so many things. Yeah, did you just have the pandemic? You know, our state was on fire. If you remember in September, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. felt like apocalyptic. And and all and, and all that was going on was the election year, and so we had a lot of division in our nation. You could see a lot of corruption emerging in leadership. There was a lot of, of stuff on the news about racism, and it's just like, oh my goodness, what do we do with this mess? It's like a boiling pot, just yeah. loaded. And I remember one time, I, I actually just was like brokenhearted in this one week, just thinking, God, what what's my role as a pastor? How do I lead our church through this season? Mm-hmm. And he answered me very cleanly that week and said, Mike, the answer to this situation is is not going to happen overnight because what you're what you're seeing right now didn't happen overnight. It's mm-hmm. been 40 years, 50 years in the making, yeah. and it's going to take a generation to, to get us out of that, which got my radar on the next generation. So that's that's kind of sort of our journey as we got started in, into this whole thing. Yeah, that was an interesting uh, year. I mean, it literally was like just the boiling pot of water and everything just exploded at one time. Yeah. Um, in fact, I was looking at a, a Facebook memory popped up today and it said, oh, great. The... Uh, the air quality is 395 today. You know, it was all part of those fires going <laughs> oh, on yeah. in 2020. There's so much stuff going on. So it was kind of a crazy time. It was a crazy year. Um, you know, as a church, um, you have a unique take on serving the next generation. I know that, again, this is kind of part of your passion, taking out the next yeah. generation. Talk to us about what led you to make that kind of commitment. What made you, what made you want to say, you know, I'm going yeah. after this next generation? It was it was it was what I just was talking about where I felt like God said the answer lies in the next generation and then a culmination of many of our people in our church asking what is our church going to be about and me even asking that question what are we going to be about as a church mm-hmm. and I did some soul searching it was I think like October of 2020 I was away on a spiritual retreat and I asked God that question what do you want our church to be about and I feel like he gave me this very clear answer and in about 5 minutes time I went from not knowing what our vision was to a very concise vision statement for our church that's still our vision to this day. And that is that we exist to equip the next generation to lead cultural transformation as fully devoted followers of Jesus. Mm. So it's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. I'll unpack that. There's three parts <laughs> that we equip to, to um, well, I'm sorry, we exist to equip the next generation. Mm-hmm. It's about us equipping them, giving them the right tools to succeed. To lead cultural transformation is about them being, when they're equipped, to, when they rise into positions of leadership and influence, that they're the ones leading transformation in our culture. And the last part's the important part, as fully devoted followers of Jesus, because if they aren't fully devoted followers of Jesus, they may influence the culture, but they may take them the wrong direction instead of the right direction. So mm. we say it in three words, we're about next generation transformation. Mm. So that's that's kind of why we're focused on that. And that's what our passion is all about. Nice. You know, I was uh, meeting with another uh, youth pastor today, mm-hmm. and I asked her, I said, um, what kind of value does the pastor put on youth ministry? Do they give you a budget? Do they give you some, you know, they give you some resources to succeed? Because I said, there's so many churches in America that are so focused on the adults and the the adult attendance and, and the online presence and all that kind of stuff that they're forgetting sometimes about the students, and you're seeing this older generation of a church get older and older and older, and they're not being replaced by the young yeah. people. And these, a lot of churches are dying. 
Yeah. You know, and I love the fact that West Side and Epic Life both put such a huge emphasis on students because we know that that's our next generation. Those are our future pastors, our future youth pastors, our future missionaries, our future yeah. teachers, our future leaders, right? And, and uh, I would hope that uh, all churches understand the importance of what we're talking about today and the importance of putting that value on students, again, that next generation. Yeah, I mean, if we don't focus on on students, the Gen Z generation now is one out of every four people in the U.S. Mm. They're in the workforce right now. If you were to use a baseball analogy, in our church, they're on deck. They're in the batter, they're the batter's box just getting ready. They're warming up because yep. they're coming up. Some of them, the older ones, are already in positions of influence and leadership. Yeah. And at the same time, this generation, like no other generation, is leaving their faith and actually uh, walking away and saying there is no God. And so we have an opportunity either to turn our back on that or for us to step in and invest into them and see if we can turn that around. So yeah. I'm just passionate about that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Well, another another question, because obviously you have strong feelings on installing character yeah. right, in our kids. What things shaped this passion for you personally as you were growing up? That's a good question. I, I think for me, if I were to look back at, at my upbringing, I would, I would point it to certain people in my life absolutely my parents my parents were amazing yeah. strong character and they were the same people at church that they were at home they put a high value on their relationship with god i saw my parents living out their faith in all aspects of their life but then there were other people that invested in my life along the way a lot of matt church like i remember you probably know these people because these names will be familiar to you mrs sherwood she was my third grade sunday school teacher mm -hmm. minnie stombaugh yeah she was an amazing lady who, yeah. I don't know how she did it. I think she led like 60 or 80 kids at one time by herself running a full production on, on Sunday mornings. She was amazing. She was amazing. Um, and then there's people like you. Um, we talked earlier about how you were my youth pastor. You had a great influence on my life. And all you, you and Mrs. Sherwood, Mrs. Uh, Stombaugh, um, and then uh, John King, another one I can think of, yeah. did a lot to invest in my life, like made sacrifices to invest in my life. And so- I guess probably that's probably the strongest influence I had was the people, not just knowing what scripture taught, but seeing people in my life, invest in my life, and then showing me this is the way to walk. So, well, and, a, and a fun fact, um, your dad was my youth pastor. That's true. I never, I forgot about that. That is crazy. <laughs> that crazy. So in the 1980s, your dad was my youth pastor. I mean, along with Howard Cookston, yeah. right? Howard Cookston was in there, but your dad was in there. And then I took over in the late eighties, I think it was like 89. Mm -hmm. And then I became your youth pastor. And then you became the youth pastor. I mean, it's kind of interesting, the legacy that that I got from guys like Howard and I got from Dave, yeah. you know, and then pass it on to you and you've passed it on now to this new generation, which right. is way cool. I think for me, when you say that, that, that comes to my mind is that any kind of success that I've enjoyed or anything that has helped me grow in my faith I cannot take credit for it. I am standing on the shoulders of giants who went before me and paved the path for me. And I think that's my passion. I think that's what maybe shapes my passion to want to be that for the people of the next generation. Yeah. Well, and I, and I got to add, and I, I know this isn't in my notes, but I've got to add that, you know, you mentioned your parents right off the get-go. And yeah, we can do so much as pastors and youth pastors and stealing character, mm -hmm. resilience, all this mm -hmm. stuff in, in this generation. But at the end of the day, it's the parents. Oh yeah. The parents listening to this podcast right now, I hope that they clearly understand that we got your kid for an hour. Yeah. An hour a week. 
and you've got them for what is it like 160 some hours a week or something like that, right? You've got them, and for, so it starts at home. Yeah, it starts at home it because sure again, I look at you know being raised by my my dad, Pastor Ken, and my mom, your parents. I mean, yeah, you mentioned other people, but you mentioned your parents first. Yes, and I think that really is a testament to how important it is that we start at home. Let the church help. You know, they can help yeah. <laughs> assist and yes. and uh, you know help help with us on Sundays, but. The parents. Yeah, church is like the support team. We're support. The parents are the ones in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. That's really important. Um, another question for you. Um, what practical advice do you have for parents, mm-hmm. teachers, grandparents, right, et cetera, you know, leaders in, in kids' lives, as we all seek to help our kids live out their potential in this world? How can parents and teachers, grandparents, help their kids live out that potential? That's a that's an, a fairly easy easy one to answer for me because we also at Epic Life Church are in a series right now about focusing on the next generation and, and investing in their lives and seeing them come up and be the hope that we're we're also desperately seeing for the world to change. And there's three things that come to mind. There's there's many things we can get wrong as parents and as a parent of a 16 and a 19 year old. Sometimes my wife and I would look and go, are we, are we succeeding or not? There's so many mistakes that we've made along the way. Mm-hmm. I think you can make tons of mistakes, but if you get these three things right, I think this is key. And this applies not just to parents, but as teachers, mentors, um, grandparents. Uh, I talk in our church about um, if you're if you're part of our church, you're in some way supporting raising the next generation. But if you're in your 80s, what you might be doing is pouring into the young grandparents in our church and showing them how to be good influences mm-hmm. with their kids. So mm-hmm. everyone has a role to play in the next generation. But these are the three things that I would say that stand out to me. The first one is always be present. Be present with your kids. When so they, don't, don't always be rushing them off. Don't rush them off. If they come in and they interrupt you because you're doing work at home, you came home, you had some work to get done, let them interrupt you. Um, it was your dad who taught me years ago yep. that if I'm in a meeting and and his kids would call and I was in the meeting with him, he yep. would always interrupt the meeting and take the call. And he, he told me one time, he said, Mike, when you're old enough that you have kids, they always get through. Your kids always get through. You can always say, hey, I'm in a meeting. Can you call me back? But they always get through. And I learned that, that placing that priority on their presence being, yeah. or my presence with them being important. And I think one of the things that we struggle with, and it's because it's new to us, this whole technology thing with a digital device in our hands. Mm-hmm. And I told our people this, this, this Sunday, I said, I don't want your kids' earliest memory of you growing up was this. Mm-hmm. looking up and seeing mom and dad with their face and their phone and getting the message that somehow what was on that device was more important than them, that we set that down, put it aside so it doesn't distract us, spend time with our kids. It's, it's not just about quant- or quality time. It's about quantity and quality, that we spend quality time with them and we're present. That statement, wherever you're at, be all there, that you're there. That's true if you're a teacher with your students at school. That's mm-hmm. true if you're a grandparent. That's true if you seek to mentor other kids in the church or wherever, you know, your your place of work or whatever, be present. Yeah, I, I've got to add before you get to Okay, two, go ahead. I've got to add because I was just thinking that um, I don't have a memory of my mom doing this. My memory of my mother is being on her her bike that mm. she had in the, in the, the electric, front room. The, elect, uh, the exercise bike. exercise bike. That's bike. right. And she always had her Bible out. And I watched every day I'd go by, there'd be mom on that exercise bike with her Bible reading a Bible and she had a little place mm. to make notes and all. And that was my memory of my mom, not staring at her phone, being distracted. And of course, if I came in and asked a question, 
I had her attention immediately. Or yes. if I came down to the church and I busted in my dad's office, he mm-hmm. was always like, yes, son, what, what, what can I do? What's, what's going on? He was always ready to be there for So being yeah. present was so valuable because so many parents, I think, were so busy being busy. Yep. <laughs> we're so busy being yep. busy that we don't have time for our kids. Yeah. And then we wonder why our kids sometimes they go wayward or sometimes yep. they get in trouble because we're too busy for them. We're busy watching Netflix. We're busy looking at our phone. We're busy working. We're busy being distracted. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to stop and say, yes, what can I help you with? What's going on? Yeah. Your greatest regret, regrets when you're on your deathbed will not be, man, I wish I had done that project and not, not let my kid interrupt me. Your right. greatest regrets will be what, what you didn't do with your kids and, and yeah. the people that you care about investing in their lives. So that I agree. And I think that first one buys you credit and credibility with mm-hmm. your with your kids, with the younger generation. When you invest, when you sacrifice for them and you're present, you're available to them, I think it allows you then to be able to model for them good character. Yeah. So that they can watch you. And because you're present, they respect, they honor, honor you and they're watching your life and looking to see how you how you do things. And I think a lot of times we're so worried about trying to teach our kids things by telling them, don't do this, do that. And we're, we're, we're vocal about stuff. But I think we forget that things are better caught than they are taught. Yeah. And if we would live it and don't come to church with your kids on Sunday and act one way and then go home and be completely mm. different. And your kids see that. <laughs> they, 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 they learn right away, oh, that's how you live your life for God. And Fake. you don't want that. So modeling a, a lifestyle of, of following Jesus and having good character, I think is huge. I remember a time, you probably don't remember this, when um, I was in the youth group and you were the cool guy in town. You were like probably, what, college age, I yeah. think, leading the youth group. Yeah, early 20s. And everyone at a, a low high school where I attended knew you and wanted to hang out with you and, and to be able to hang out with you, you were cool. Which was weird because I didn't even go to low high school. No, you didn't. But but <laughs> you had this magnetic personality yeah. and everyone wanted to be with you and be like you. And so I watched your life very closely. I hung out with you a lot in those days. We'd yeah. go run errands together and different stuff. And Hag Lake. <laughs> yes, many trips to Hag Lake. And, and just watching your life and going, if Tim does it, I want to do it too because he's cool. Yeah. And there was something I knew uh, as growing up in a, a home where we have we practice faith in our home and that I knew I should do, and that was to read my Bible. I knew that was good, but I didn't think it was cool mm. until one day you invited me to go on a trip to go see your uncle up in Bellevue. Mm. I spent the night with you. I don't know if you remember this. And I think we had sleep bags. I remember sleeping bags. And right before we laid, laid down for bed at like 11 o'clock, you whipped out your Bible. And I, I looked and I kind of was puzzled like, I know you're supposed to read your Bible, but the, he's the cool guy and he's reading his Bible and reading your Bible ain't cool. <laughs> and I remember, and I asked you, he's like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I read my Bible every night before I go to bed. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I'm in high school and I never read my Bible. Hmm. And it was that, that moment that I actually made a decision, I need to read my Bible every day. And so yeah. just simple things, you have no clue the way you model your life, what it's yeah. doing for someone. So that, I could have told you, read oh, your yeah. Bible, read your Bible, yes. read your Bible. But if you never that saw me it. read it, it wasn't it. And I right. saw you other times doing it too. So it wasn't yeah. just you putting on a, a, right. a front or anything. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing, this well, one- Let me back up. What was the second thing? The second one is to model good so character. Model, model, model good it. character. I love that. So be present, model it. And okay. then the third thing I'll give you is to be consistent. Mm. You have to be consistent. One of the things that I see right now is I'm looking at the next generation, especially in the church, and how how can we turn around what we're seeing happen with- with uh, Gen Zers leaving the church, leaving faith, how do we turn that around to where they want to be close to God, they want to draw near to Him? And I think one of the things that is alarming to me is the fact that statistically right now, I believe one out of, uh, the average family goes to church one out of every 
once a month or one and a half times a month on average. Mm. And if I do my math right, you were saying earlier, we get your kid for one hour, you get them the rest of the week. Right. That means we get them for 12 to 18 hours at church. 12 to 18 hours. And we're gonna we're gonna help them transform their life for Jesus? No, no, doesn't a work year. that way. 12 to 18 a year. 12 to 18 in a year. <laughs> How in the world is that gonna be possible? So right. here's one right here. Be consistent. Any chance you have to go to church, if you can put off that camping trip, if you can plan it for a different day, if you can get back early, if you can not, you know, you can record the game on TV and watch it. I know that's not, not live is hard, but not watch it live. Mm. And you demonstrate for your kids that whenever it's possible to go to church, this is a gift my parents gave me growing yeah. up. We went to church every Sunday. Yeah. I think in my childhood, I remember missing two Sundays because of illness. Mm. Every other Sunday for to, through my high school years, I was in church every week. This even meant when we were on vacation, we would, the first thing we'd do when we got there is, where's a good church we can go church. to on Sunday? And the gift that gave me is that I just, for me, I, it was never a question or debate, do we go to church or not? We go to church. And because of that, every week, 52 Sundays a year, I was exposed to the love of God. I was exposed to teaching about character, about living my life for God, about reading my Bible. And I was also exposed to a group of people who became my closest friends who were on that same journey rather mm -hmm. than getting hooked up with a group of friends that were going the wrong direction. Because here's the thing, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You look at the, the next generation, you look at their friends, I can predict their futures just by looking who they're hanging out with. And I can with. attest to that being a youth pastor here for 10 years now. I, I see teenagers start hanging out with a certain group of kids and just give them a month or two or three yeah. and you, you see which way they go. Yep. And it's usually not the right direction. No, you know, no, not at all. Um, you know, what you just said a second ago, um, my parents, same thing, Sunday mornings, we went to church, mm -hmm. period. Of course, we went did more you, than that. Did you ever think, uh, today I'm going to see if I can talk them out of it? No. I mean, you never even thought about no, it. No, it's what we did. We went to yeah. church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We went to church. That's what we did. Yeah. And uh, I love that. They instilled that in us. We're going to church on Sundays. And it wasn't, and here's what I love. It was never an option. Yes. Hey, Timmy, do you want to go to church today? No, it was, come on guys, we're going to church. And that's how it is in our household. Let's go. We're going to church. This isn't an option. We're not, it's not up for debate. We're not having a yep. Q and A about it. It's we go to church on Sundays because I know the value of what that does for um, kids to be faithful in church and to see their parents faithful. Yes. That's part of the challenge yes. with this generation now is we've seen these last generations or you know, the millennials and you know, that the, the Xers, you know, they've been so sloppy at mm -hmm. times that the kids are like, well, my parents only went to church one and a half times yeah. a month. So I'm going to go half the one time. <laughs> so we, we demonstrated the value. And here's the thing that what, what we'll tolerate, they will embrace. And so if we're tolerating church being optional, they'll embrace it. It's like, oh, that's the way it is. And so we have to model that. And for me, that was the single, probably single greatest gift my parents gave me growing up for my faith was going to church every Sunday. Yeah. And then watching them, like you mentioned with your mom, watching them in their quiet time, reading their yeah. Bibles and praying, their consistency for God was spoke volumes to me so that when they were present in my life yeah. and they modeled it for me, and I saw that consistency, I was like, that's what I want. And so yeah, and, that's and, huge. And, and, and what we do in moderation, our kids do in Excess, yes, absolutely. right? And so just, yep. I, 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 we'll end with that right there. You know, yeah. moderation, we do it. Doesn't seem like a real big deal. Man, promise the kids will take it to the next level. I mean, if we're faithful in church, they're gonna definitely be faithful in church. If we're sloppy in church, they're gonna be sloppy in church. If we're sloppy at reading our Bible, they're gonna be extra sloppy. I mean, they're gonna take yep. whatever we do and take it to the next level. And so Mike, thanks so much for your time. And uh, I love it. And I'm looking forward to this week's uh, message this Sunday. It's gonna be awesome as we continue this series. And so thank you for your time. Absolutely. And uh and good luck as you continue to 
get past that pandemic that we're <laughs> that's beyond us now. Yes. Thank God um, at Epic Life, and that you guys have huge success uh, this year. Thank you, and I'm, I'm, I wish the same for you guys at Westside. Praying for you guys often and excited and rooting for you on the journey. Nice. If anyone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Probably the easiest way is just through email, okay. Mike at epiclifechurch.com. Pretty simple. Okay. I'm yeah. Tim at westsidemail.com. So pretty simple yeah. email. So if you have questions, email away. And uh, thanks for your time, everybody. And uh, Did I say Mike at Epic Life or Epic Life you, Church? Uh, I don't know what you said. <laughs> I don't know my own email. Just Mike at epiclifechurch.com in case I said that wrong. Just playing it back in my head. I'm not quite sure I said that one right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Midweek Motivation. To make sure you don't miss any content in the future, please subscribe, share, and if you enjoyed this, give us a like and consider popping by a Westside service some weekend. You can find out more at westsidecommunitychurch.com. Me well, I will not forsake you, O Israel. Oh, miss that song. Yeah.